Man, now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. Hello, friends. You're listening to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. I am Dammit Damien. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends in music, Suburban Home Records. Suburban Home Records known for quality releases from Drag the River, The Gamut, and today's super special guest, lead singer of Tuka Garage, Mr. Michael Schnabel. Mike is with us today talking about his newest album, I'm Dead, Serious, which you can order now from Suburban Home Records, or you can pick up in February from your favorite mom-and-pop record store. Before we get any further we're going to listen to a track off that album uh it's my favorite track off his new album and it's the one that just really cuts me the deepest uh this song is called zen and the art of fucking up your life
All right, that was Zen in the Art of Fucking Up Your Life from Micah Schnabel off his newest album, I'm Dead, Serious. Uh, Micah, as you very well know, is the lead singer of Tukau Garage. Him along with Shane Sweeney uh, formed Tukau a little over 10 years ago in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I've gotten to know Micah and Shane a little bit over the years. Uh, as the booking agent for the Triple Nickel Tavern, they played several times over the last three years. And uh, I've really gotten to know them fairly well. And I even got to do a little bit of traveling this summer with them. Um, so today's episode's really special episode for me because for years I've been preaching the gospel that is to Cal Garage and trying to like spread um, their energy and their music like wildfire. And, you know, some people kind of don't listen to me, but you should. And when these guys take over the world, you'll be, you're will going to come back to me and say, Damien, you were right. Um, so, you know, I, I've known Mike and Shane thanks to uh, J.J. Gruder. J.J. Nobody, even more to the point. Uh, he's the bass player of the punk band, the Nobodies, and more importantly, the uh, bass player for Drag the River um, and owner of the Triple Nickel Tavern. He was smart enough to hire me as his booking agent about uh, three and a half, four years ago. And through him, I've just met so many of my heroes and, fr- and made such great friends and allies in this thing we call music and a career. And so, uh, you know... And with Two Cow, they came along at just the right time in my life. Uh, sometimes you find music, but oh, so much more often what happens is uh, music finds you. It, and that's what happened to me the first time I saw the raw, potent energy of Two Cow Garage. They came to life as an explosion before my eyes. The power and the being that they become is a baptism of sweat and fire and PBR. And it shook me to my very foundation. You know, I've been a devoted follower ever since. And I say at that time I wasn't sure what I was doing with my life, and I needed a presence such as uh, Tukau. You know, Mike and Shane's songs snuck into my psyche, and I found my own insecurities echoed through their outright and honest, brutal lyrics. You know, um, I no longer felt so alone in this world. And with these anthems and as guides, I proudly forged the path I'm on today. You know, these songs helped hold together the shattering life and heart of a young, naive boy who turned into this kind of fool sitting here talking to you on a microphone. So, uh, you know, earlier this year, I found myself uh, traveling with the uh, real-life cartoon character that is Michael Dean Dameron. Uh, You probably know him mostly as a solo artist these days, Uh, but once upon a time, he was the front man, lead singer, enigma of uh, I Can Lick Any Son of a Bitch in the House. Uh, He picked me up in uh, Denver, Colorado, and we drove the 1,000 miles to Little Rock, Arkansas. Luckily for me, Mike D is afraid of flying. So, because Mike D's fear of flying, I get to go to the 10-year anniversary of Two Cow for free. Uh, we took like, we meandered on the way home. We followed Two Cow the entire way back to Denver for the 16th anniversary of Suburban Home Records. And, uh, you know, along the way, we found an adventure amongst Americans' highways. And it was Vanessa Jean, Mike D, Murph, Micah Shane, and I. We found the dirtiest, greasiest, slummiest hotel rooms in the worst parts of the towns we visited. We drank way too many fucking 3-2 beers. And, uh, you know, we got lost and found again while searching for the mythical water burgers of America. Uh, you know, truck stop wolf shirts and uh, friendship badges became our, you know, pride and joy of this trip. And amongst the, amongst the many, many miles of gas stations and fast food, the Gypsy Family Wolf Pack was born. And, you know, I don't know about those guys, but I found, you know, I found out a lot more about myself during those late-night bullshit sessions. We had conversations about life, the universe, and everything. Uh, the journey, to me, had kind of a, like a stand-by-me, sandlot feel. And, you know, I made bonds with these guys that I think will, I'll have forever. 
to the end of days. Um, you know, more importantly, I get to know these guys a little bit better. And I, I got to learn that, you know, Micah, you may think from reading his lyrics and listening to his songs, you know, you might think this guy just wears his heart on his sleeve. But no, no, no. Micah very proudly wears his heart on his throat for all the world to see. I know he's got these these big-ass glasses that make his big eyes even bigger. But if, but like the big bad wolf, you know, that he's not, you know, it's all for the better for him to see and soak up this fascinating world around him and turn him into the uh, the novels of songs that he has today. And, uh, you know, this this weekend this interview was done. It was it was a good six months since I'd seen him. And uh, I ended up traveling up to Denver just to do this interview, which didn't happen that night. It happened the next night, but that's cool. We ended up crashing at our uh, Wolfpack Den mother's uh, Jude, the wonderful Miss Jude, if you ever meet Miss Jude. She's one of the most wonderful people I've ever met in all my travels and Every time I'm in Denver, she offers to take care of me whether I need it or not. And she's like the two-cow garage, Mike D, musician, uh, den mother. And she took super good care of us. And we stayed up till 5 a.m. drinking, me, Mike, and Jude, drinking PBRs and good whiskey and just laughing and joking the night away until the sun came up. And, uh, you know, the real talk that happened that night, I didn't think I could replicate the next day. So I almost didn't do this interview. But, uh, you know, but as Micah took the stage again here in Colorado Springs, uh, he took the stage at the Triple Nickel that night, and that all-knowing common force that uh, he, that he projects so well took a hold of me once again. And uh, I knew I couldn't pass up an opportunity to sit down and talk to one of my uh, one of my good friends about a really turbulent time in his life. So you know, here we are with this interview, um, having at 3 a.m. after about 100 beers in our bellies. I, coerced Micah into coming back to my apartment with a promise I'd drive him to Denver the next day. Probably thought I was going to get raped. You know, that's what happens when you travel with Mr. Mike D too much. You kind of become a wild man yourself. But no. And uh, so we showed up here at 3 a.m. And uh, we just turned the microphone on. We're drunk, but it's fun, and it's great, and it's honest, and it's earnest. And this is a little sample of that road trip I took in September and, like, the real talk that that occurred those nights and I, i'm really proud of this interview and i'm even prouder to call micah a friend so uh without any further ado without any further rambling for myself here we go with the uh interview with micah schnabel about uh i'm dead comma serious so i'm 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 sitting here in my uh living room my tiny little bedroom apartment hanging out with uh micah schnabel yes yes not schnabel but schnabel it's schnabel it's german don't worry about it yeah, whatever <laughs> i watched the interview a couple of days ago we were talking about being a baseball player. Oh, yeah. You yeah. used to want to be a baseball player? Well, oh, yeah. Uh, when I was growing up, that was what I did. Baseball was what music is to me now. That's what baseball was. So, uh, and to the point, until about 17 years old, uh, I got to the point where I realized I could not play baseball <laughs> after I got out of high school. You know? Well, I mean, and, uh, I realized that that was getting ready to be done. So, yeah, music music just kind of uh, took over the baseball role. But, uh, yeah, up until that point, that's what I was going to do with my life. I've only wanted to ever do two things in my whole life, and it was be a professional baseball player or be a traveling musician. And here I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm right. not a professional baseball player, just so, so you know. Were you any good? 
I mean, I was, I was okay. I lived in a little farm town. Like, I mean, I could have gone to like, I could have played in like Div- Division Two baseball or something like that. But nothing that I wasn't not built or I wasn't good enough to play on a real level. Well, you, know? you are you you're a skinny motherfucker. You probably are kind of built like a baseball player. <laughs> not like a real one. I couldn't have, yeah, and I wasn't good enough to to play at that level. Like I couldn't have ever made money from it. So yeah. it, it would have been the hard, long struggle, right? Kind of like the I one you're played, on now. I, you know, maybe I could have played single A for three years before I lived in my mother's basement again. That would have been great. <laughs> but that's how good I was living in my mother's basement at 27. What's your position? Uh, I was, you know, pitcher. I was a pitcher and a shortstop. I I could, I could hit a ball. I, I honestly I was obsessed with baseball, but by obsessed I was obsessed with Nolan Ryan. Yeah, who is sitting very much watching us. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. And in uh, this action figure form. And, and you know, I was a pitcher. That was kind of my thing, and I could throw I could throw a really mean curveball. From the time I was about 12 years old. So that was kind of uh, part of my thing, you know, my repertoire, if you will. So, <laughs> like, uh, people dug that. So the couple colleges that looked at me, like, I couldn't throw a very, very good fastball, but I had a great breaking ball. Not much like my man, Mr. Nolan Ryan here. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, he, I, I still, I love the man. <laughs> but uh, when did you? I don't know. We've we've traveled a good chunk mm-hmm. together, you and me. Never slept in the same bed until tonight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm Where am kidding. I? It's gonna be great. Yeah. But um, I I have very fond memories of you and me in Tulsa. I'm pretty sure it was Tulsa. It was talking, Tulsa. T- talking about. I remember mentioning that I had an ex-girlfriend that said something along the lines of, I will never find ha- me, me, Damien, personally, never finding happiness in a relationship because I value music more. And you go, and you agreeing with me, and we talking about our addiction to this thing we call music. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, you said it perfectly. That's yeah. what it is. It's an addiction. Well, it is something that... uh it's always going to come first. It's mm-hmm. always going to come first, and it'll fuck up. Sorry. It'll mess up Say relationships. Fuck up. Fuck it. This is a podcast. It'll, it's yeah. on the internet. This right. isn't radio. But it'll fuck up relationships. It'll fuck up everything in your whole life because you're always chasing this. Like, um, Just as a performer, I'm always chasing that next high. Yeah. Always chasing the next high. Like uh, the next good show, and I will play... I will play 30 terrible shows to get to that that just that one next great show where everybody's into it and digging it and singing along and that feeds your that feeds what you're doing cuz you're just chasing the high. Yeah. And uh you know, well I, I'm an addict, but I'm lucky enough that my addiction is playing shows, you know. It and it, it's making you money now. Kind of, sort of, yeah, maybe. Right, right. Enough, enough, enough to exist on yeah. this planet. It, it, <laughs> you it's, know, it's funny. I was trying to explain that to somebody. 
it's the same way for me as a promoter. When I was promoting, now I'm just a fucking bartender. But uh, like, if when you get a hundred people to show up for a little show, right? It's intoxicating. You don't even need the beer. You don't need the. You don't right. need any of it. It's just no. like a hundred people show up, and you're like, I made this happen, right? That's, it, I take it the same way from you, right? Right. It, it, intoxicating. That's a great word for it. Like it. it really is. That's what it is, and it feeds that addiction. It's like. Yeah, and that's your fix. Yeah. That's my fix, you know. Like, and then you can, you know, go through the hard times and the terrible days and the, the bad things that you have to go through for the next week or whatever. But you know that that next fix to, fix is coming to you, where uh, you know you show up and there are a hundred people there that are singing along, and making it all worthwhile, and. Right. You get, you know, that's, that's your fix. The money, the money doesn't even matter, does it? I no, mean, it's nice, right? I mean, it's great if it's there, it's but you know, if you're doing when you're doing and existing on what you love, it's just you don't even think about the money. You know, right? It's just all about like, do I have enough to get where I'm going, where I need to be tomorrow? Okay, yes, and I'm good. Because you're just, uh, you're living to do what you do and the thing, do the thing that you love, you know? So as long as you have enough money to get to do what you love (laughs) the next day, then all is well. So you don't, you don't worry about those things. Yeah. They're not important to you. When was the first time you went, I don't know, when was the first time you went, this is all I want to do? It was the very first time we went on the road. Uh, With two cow? uh, Yeah. The very first time we went on the road. And uh, I don't even know if we were called two cow yet. Yeah. But um, we were, uh, yeah, we went on the road for three days. The first day was just to go see our friends Slobberbone play. And they let us go on stage afterwards. And we played after them. Yeah. And just played some songs. And they were super nice and the bartenders and everybody that was there was super kind and into it and there were some people from uh from postcard yeah (laughs) yeah the postcard mailing yeah the postcard list that uh, they're all about today yeah so uh i mean that's where it all started we did two days in um pawpaw michigan maybe yeah i think that's where it was and it was the shows were terrible. I mean, of course, there was nobody there because nobody knew who we were. Or Slobberbone. Yeah. Like, there's, People yeah. still don't know who the hell Slobberbone is. <laughs> right, I do right. now only because of you guys. You're right. But, like, yeah, there was nobody there. Like, you know, I was 19 years old, and but we were driving home from that thing, and it must have been Sunday because we went out on Thursday, did that, and then played on Friday and Saturday. And then we're driving home on Sunday. But uh, we were calling clubs, like, through the towns that we were driving in, like, going through, trying to find one more show, just trying to find somebody to let us play one more time. Yeah. Just because, I mean, we were, we were all hooked. We were addicted. Yeah. And uh, it was our addiction at that, like, we got fed and 
that's what it was. Like we were hooked. So, I mean, we're calling clubs. We're driving through Ohio. We're driving through Toledo. So we looked up, we had a, the magazine thing that I had bought <laughs> to try to find clubs. Was it book your own fucking life? No, it wasn't. Oh. I wish it was that cool. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we were just, you know, trying to find places in those towns that we could play. So we were calling them as we're driving through them, just trying to get one more show. And I mean, that was it for me. That was it. I was addicted. I was hooked. And here I am. I'm 29 now. That was 10 years ago. And I'm still doing, I'm still hooked. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know where to go from there. It's just like, that's the same play for me. It's just like you book one show and it's just like, hundred people show up in not even a hundred people, 10 people right. love it. Right. That's all you need is just in not even 10, just right. one person. Exactly. Go, you see that I one person it. caring that's, that is so happy that you are there. You know, it's like playing tonight. You know, there were, I don't know, 30 people or whatever, but there are people there that are genuinely happy you're there playing those songs, you know, and uh, these little songs that you write in your bedroom that just ideas that come out of your head. The fact that that means something to somebody in, you know, Colorado Springs, that's huge. Yeah. And it's very but, important. And it, it means the world to somebody like me that is trying to do this for a living. We're, we're so all the songs are, the songs are autobiographical, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, I wish unfortunately. they weren't. I wish I was a better writer that I could just make this shit up, but I can't. Well, how do you feel when somebody's just like that? That song, because they are autobiographical, like songs that touch other people. It's like it's the worst time of my life ever, and but it made. How's that? I think that's why it connects, though. You know, as I get older, I kind of realize that is like, um, I write. I write what is going on in my life and there's nothing I can do about that. I don't think I can change that. Like as things happen in my life, I write them down and I turn them into songs to deal with. That's how I deal with it. But I'm lucky enough that, um, I can turn them into songs and we are all going through the same stuff. You know, it's like, there's again, it's like, there's nothing new on this planet. You know, there are no new songs. There are only 12, you know, 12 keys that we can work with. We're all working with the same chords and the same, you know, vocabulary and the same words. Like, so we're going to, it's great. We're all going through the same stuff. So, like, I can write this very, very personal stuff that I'm going through. And I feel like that's kind of, that's my blessing, really, is, like, I'm willing to write these things down these very, very personal things that I'm going through. But everybody has gone, either gone through them, going through them, or going to go through them. And they feel that. And uh, that's where the connection happens. And that's what makes it special. It's when somebody either knows that feeling that you're yelling into a microphone right there, or can just understand it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I remember the first time you guys played in Colorado, like 
Snodgrass booked the show, and I was like, these guys are okay. I downloaded the first, like I bought the first two albums online, <laughs> but it was the song Should Have Should California, Rent, which at the time I was dating this girl, and she was very much like, I can't date a guy who has no ambition to go to college, which is never, it's not my ambition. Right. You know, it's, I don't see anything I want to do in my life and still go to college. Right. And then here's you about the same age as me saying, it, it's mostly the going, I should have, but fuck you. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> right, right. And, I and, mean, it says should have, but it's really like, it's not should have. It's more like, I hate to say that I'm better that I didn't, but it's just those things. It's the things that we all, again, the things that everybody goes through. These questions that you ask yourself of like, maybe I should have moved to California. Maybe I yeah. should have gone to college. But like, if yeah, you know, I find myself in this situation now, where I'm better that I didn't, you know. Right. You, and it it was just more of a doubtful thing, like just doubting the as you're uh, having to make these decisions as you get older, you know, and having to deal with that. But you know, in hindsight, I made the right decisions, you know. Yeah. Well, you, we are who we are because of what we. Did and didn't do. Absolutely. You know? and, and, and it's definitely like, I talked to my mother the other day and she was like, how do you feel about raising three bartenders? And she went, well, I wish you guys would have wanted more for yourselves, which we're still fairly young. Right. But it's like, at the same time, it's like, I've seen the country. Right. Like, for, granted from the window of a van. But right. Yeah, but I've, you've, I've seen this country. We've yeah, lived. Yeah, absolutely. But you and you, <laughs> buddy, you've seen things that most of our peers will never ever see, unfortunately, because of yeah, you know, like I I don't have any money. I don't have much money, <laughs> but you know, I've been to Belgrade, Serbia, and seen my name on a billboard. You know. And uh, the name of my band on a billboard, and I've been to uh, Croatia. Like those are things that the people that I grew up with could not even dream of, that I could not personally dream of, you know. But when you really sit back and look at it, I mean, that's it's pretty unbelievable, you know. Like <laughs> if you told me at at seventeen years old, you know. If I was a junior in high school and you're like, hey, when you're 25, there's a billboard in Serbia, in Belgrade, Serbia, that has your name on it. That would be pretty overwhelming and pretty amazing, you know? So I wouldn't have believed it. Right. I wouldn't have either. I'd be like, that's craziness, buddy. <laughs> but, you know, those things happened and, uh, yeah. We're old enough to appreciate them now, I think. Yeah. And, and, and I'd like to think, like, in 20, 30 years. I never thought I'd be this old, ever. I thought I would have died at... <laughs> I, I I remember growing up and watching Dead at 21 on MTV about this guy who was going to die at the age of 21 <laughs> on MTV when MTV first started having, like, TV shows. 
and thinking to myself, that's me. I'm going to die by the age of 21. Right. And here I am, 30, and it's just like, right. I've been around like, oh, this shit. country. Yeah. That's yeah. wonderful. I completely understand because I, I visited my mom's house like not too long ago, and uh, I found a notebook, and I was digging through it. It was a notebook for me being in high school, and I was like, well, if you're not famous by the time you're 25 – just fucking kill yourself, buddy. Just James you know, Dean. It's like, just be done. You know, it's like, but you're young and you don't understand it. And I don't know. I think we all think that way. Yeah. I think. I think most people do. Like, you don't think of ever getting old. But here we are. But we're doing a pretty good job at it. Right but now. I think that's why, like, guys like you and me connect. It's because. We're not supposed to be old. Right. We're young at heart. Right. You know, we're right. fucking, um, what's the Bruce Springsteen lyric I'm thinking of? You know, tramps like us, we're born to run. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, we're going to do what we do, but uh, we're lucky enough to have stuff like this. So, you know? so uh, this new album pretty dark place mm -hmm. I was in a terrible place from uh, from October in 2010 a very good friend of mine that I grew up with uh, yeah a best friend of mine uh, he killed himself Ooh. and yeah and then uh, so October to May was a pretty terrible time for me and uh, the day that that happened I started I guess it was a couple of days before that, yeah. I actually found out the uh, name of the record before we, I started writing the song. So we came up with "I'm Dead," comma serious, Excuse with like you know, my friend Brandon from Go Shirt. He helped me figure that out, and uh, we realized that was what that had to be the name of the record. But uh, yeah, a couple of days later that happened, and uh, I started writing songs for it. And unfortunately, my whole life kind of came unraveled and came apart. But uh, I wrote, fortunately, I wrote songs during that whole time as things were coming apart and things were getting really bad. And I went through terrible, terrible things. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I tried to, I just, I was, I guess, just trying to drink myself to death. Ooh. Just, just trying to, you know, I tried to. Oh, I know. <laughs> So, you know, Virgil and some other friends of mine <laughs> inquired, and they're uh, they're glad that I'm all right. But I, you know, I tried to just get done with it because uh, I was in a very bad place and found a woman, and that fell apart, and as things do. But I I wrote this whole record while life was happening, and I think that's what makes it kind of special is that I wrote it all down while it was happening. So now we have this record, this thing to like listen to, and it's probably situations that we've all been in. You know, it's you know not special on that point, but that's a good thing. Is like it can go across the board. We've all been in these terrible situations, and uh, I I decided to write them down while they were happening. Yeah. <laughs> so there oh. you are. And it's one of those things. Is like, while well, they're happening to you, they're happening to other people. Like, 
I, I was in a good place during those times either. Right. And I hear that record now, and it's like, oh. Right. It's cathartic. Right, in a way, right. You know? and, the, um, and that's why, I, but yeah, and that's why I play shows, because these shows and singing these songs helps me get through the, through the shit of it, you know? Because it was a terrible time, but we've all been through it, and uh, I just, I guess just ego <laughs> made me write it down. Like, made me felt like I, I needed to share it with everybody else. You know? I, I don't like the word ego because it doesn't. I don't either. It doesn't that. fit you. Yeah, I hate that word too, but I, I mean, I think that's what it is. It's like, I think it's important enough that I need to share it with everybody, you know? Yeah. And. I hate that. Yeah, I'm with you. I hate that fucking word. But Sorry, it, it, I hate it, that it, word. But say fucking. Man. This is yeah. for the internet, not for <laughs> right. radio stations. Right. Like we've been, uh, but like for you, it's. I don't even know. It's honest. It's real. It's authentic, and 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 I think that's what that's what I'm finding now as I get older is as I. You know, I talk to people at shows and everything, and I see these people that are coming out to see the shows. That's where we're connecting is because I'm, I guess I meant to be, but, like, I'm just brutally honest. And right. In the songs, like, I'm not hiding behind anything. Like, I'm telling you exactly what has been going on, what is going on in my life. But, again, nothing is new. Like... Everybody has been through it, you know? Anything well, that I've been through, somebody else is either going through, has gone through, or is getting ready to go, go through. I don't so, know. There, there's the one-two cow song. It's like soundtrack to my summer. Yeah. Where you're talking about yeah. sleeping in your car. Well, you know, yeah. I I've mean, slept I, in my car, but not because I had to. Well, I was too drunk to drive home, and I slept <laughs> in my car. But, like, you know, the year that... You talk about that. It's, that's fucking rough, dude. You've had a rough, rough time. I've, and I mean, hey, I have, but like, I don't want to. I don't want to make it like a sad me kind of thing. Like, but I, th I, I think have, that's like, what people like too. Though it's like, yeah, this guy got through it. Right, right. But I mean, I did it to myself because doing this and playing these songs, and you know, being. A musician because being the a songwriter thing. yeah it's like being a songwriter and making that my job has always meant the world to me that is what i have wanted to do that's who i was so from you know a very from the time i was 19 years old that's what i wanted to do and i did you know like that stuff is, again is all true like i slept in my car i lived in my car luckily it was summer in columbus <laughs> so it was about you know, like four months, uh, you know, sleeping and going to sleep as early as you could because the sun was going to be up at like 6.30, you know, and blasting through the windows of the truck that I owned at that point in time. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't think much of it until after I got away from it and was able to write about it, you know. Like, when it was happening, it was just like, well, this is what I have to do to get to the next tour. And I'm not... It's not an oh sad me kind of thing. Like, I'm very, very happy with where I am. And even in those terrible times, like, I look back, I can look back on it now and realize that that was bad. But, you know, in the in the moment, 
it was just what needed to happen and I was doing what I loved to do and I never thought twice about it. So yeah, you don't have to feel bad for me for it. Like No. And I, and I'm not asking anybody to like I would do it all again because this is what I love to do and that's what I do. I think that's one of the things like for me like music is we talked about this a little bit last night that nobody heard but it's like music instinctual for me. Mm -hmm. It's like Absolutely. I like the bands that like hit me right here and right. like it I hits you in your gut. You don't know why and you can't explain it. Yeah. There's no there are no words that we can put to it, you know? And I don't want to put words to it. That's the thing. When you put words to it, it almost makes it cheaper. Yeah. It's like, you know, why is the band, you know, Cheap Girls, amazing? I don't know, really. I don't know. But they are. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't write it down. But it, but it clicks. I can't put it, it on clicks the paper, in there in that head. But it, it hits us in the fucking gut, you know? Yeah. And, They're going to be one of the next biggest bands that and everybody's going to would think the same so. thing. God, I hope so. I right. love that band. <laughs> me and, and too. Me too. I remember having. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. anyway. So, but but this last album was dark. Yeah, it's very dark. Talk a lot about death. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been close to death? Uh, I've been. I have been close to death. Um, in the like the literal sense, like I've you know watched family members die and stuff but uh you know i think this record is more like 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 i said earlier i uh a friend of mine killed himself you know and uh i was dealing with that but so i was kind of like i guess at the the early points of writing this record was trying to figure out how to kill myself without making it too dark for the rest of my family. Right. You know? And as weird as that is, but you're like, I don't want to hurt anybody else. So you're, you're dealing with that. But, uh, I'm lucky enough to have this outlet that allows me to do it in a positive way. Like I can, you know, go out and have this career, uh, that I don't actually have to do that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but that's what was in my head, you know? That's what I was going through. It was like trying to get out get out without hurting anybody, you know? Because I was, uh, I was just in a really dark spot, you know? There are songs that are like, this is my headstone, you know? It's like right. just, I was writing my, I was writing my, you know, su uh, suicide note, I guess. Like, that's a terrible thing whatever but i guess i was just trying to write an explanation for everybody that would uh want one you know when i was gone like when i was gone this record was going to be an explanation to everybody like they wouldn't have to ask the questions they'd be like oh right this is where he was coming from this is where he was you know i guess i'm lucky enough that uh making a record like this was my therapy, you know? So I feel better about things now. But uh but that that was my reasoning in my head was, you know, no. I was done. I was done. <laughs> you know, it's so rough. I wrote this record. It's it's rough to hear like even me and like I can listen to the record and I can feel it. Which which I think makes it hard for other people 
to hear that record. Right. No, I think it definitely does because people don't want to hear that. You know, you yeah. listen to music because you want to feel good. What? But this is... Um, we don't. We, we don't. don't. We want to listen to music we because right. we want to Because we want to feel, feel the emotion that we are having at oh, yeah. that point in time. Yeah. But on the mass level, yeah. people want to hear those kind of things because people want to hear Toby Keith because they want to feel good. They want to hear Red Solo Cup and be like, yeah, let's get <laughs> drunk and have a fucking great time. But people like us want to hear things that connect with whatever we're feeling at that time. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, you know. And this record, unfortunately, it's going to go to people. It's going to connect with people that are having a really terrible, terrible time in their lives. Yeah. But, you know, that's what I want. Well, Those are the people that I really can connect with because I've had a terrible time, you know, before. And I, I understand and I hope they... I hope it gives them a little something just to hang on to for a second. You know? is, it, is, is it hard to play that stuff live night after night? Now it's not. But when I was out here in Colorado for UMS, and that was right when uh, when I really when I started playing this stuff out live for the first time for the first three months, it was terrible. It was it was terrible, and it was almost impossible to like. Like, I was just breaking down in the middle of these songs because these songs are so personal and so intense that, uh, yeah, it was it was terrible. <laughs> to play these songs was brutal, you know, and I had my friends coming up, and I was out here, and my friend came up after the show, and he was like, Do your new songs are amazing, but are you okay? You know, and I just started crying, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not, you know. I was just losing it. I was coming apart. But, uh, yeah, so playing these songs initially was terrible. It was really, really hard. Now that I've done it, you know, it's like building up a callus. Uh, I've done it for a few months now, playing these songs, and uh, now I can do it and play them as songs and not as, you know, me reading my journal or diary or whatever to to the world, you know. So it's getting easier now, but... Yeah, initially it was terrible. It was this, really, really hard. Is it still cathartic? Is it yeah. cathartic at all? No, it absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, it's my... It's part of, like we were talking about, an addiction. It's my addiction, and uh, yeah, every night is my 45 to hour and a half therapy session. You know, that's what it is. I'm getting... And whether there's a crowd there or not, I'm getting better because of it, because of playing these songs, and it helps me release that. And uh, also, as you release it, you uh, it helps you find understanding. You know, you get to understand yourself a little better every time I play these songs. So every night, I'm, I'm <laughs> says it on the record, like I'm I'm getting better. You know, so well, every night is a wonderful therapy session. <laughs> like just. And driving you around today, like I could tell you're way better than you were in September, mm-hmm. and you were great in September. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a wreck, and yeah. I, was, I was bad news, you know. But yeah, I went through it. I lived through it, and uh, I feel like I should say, like, I'm lucky enough that I got to write songs about it. 
because I think we all probably go through it. So hopefully somebody can listen to this stuff and while they're going through that terrible time, have something to connect with that. Yeah, just something to connect with. I, I, I'm in that boat where like I went through a bad time and I went, two cow. I hate this. Hopefully it doesn't sound like I'm sucking dick, kissing ass. But if it wasn't for that last two cow record, I don't know how far I would have made it. Right. I don't know if we'd be sitting here right now. Right. Right. And yeah. and I almost feel like like I was telling you earlier. I kind of feel like a weird dude because it's just like I just I just want to be a part of it. And I'm lucky enough that I book shows, tour manage, and drive Mike D around. <laughs> Play the infamous Mike D. Play the monkey mucks down the street, buddy. Come watch the monkey dance. Hey, I'm lucky enough that I've gotten to do that, but it's like, what about the guys who didn't? Right. What about the guys who don't have an outlet like you? Right, right. Or me, who just find that thing at the right, that shit of California and go. Right. Somebody else went through that, too. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's a very heavy question, but. uh, I I don't even think it was a question. It was just a statement. It is. But it's just like. It is. So, uh, what are you going to do now? What's next? What's next for Micah what is Schnabel? Next? What is next? The German. Is, uh, <laughs> are you go home? Uh, flying home on Monday, and uh, when I get home, I get to sleep in my bed that night, and then uh, wake up the next day and go make demos for uh, the new Two Cow Garage record, and. Uh, yeah, do that, and then play a show, have Christmas, <laughs> and then uh, I get fl- I go somewhere. I think yeah. I go to Michigan and play some shows, and then uh, a few other places, and then to the West Coast in February. And, uh, yeah, so uh, start touring on this solo record while also preparing the next two-car garage record. So... Try to keep that happening uh, and being productive simultaneously. Is that a word? Well, what were you? That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. so like that last two Calgary record. I don't know about anybody else. I love it. <laughs> Thank you, man. And I love the solo record. And I don't know. Was it similar places for the two? Or yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I. I love reading. Yeah, I love, I, I I love you know, but like, I'm not that good of a writer. I'm trying to be a better writer, and I want to be a writer. But I, you've actually, I, it was weird because I was sitting, I was sitting, I was driving with two cow, not two cow, you're two cow, drag the river. We're driving to some show, and I was reading uh, Catcher in the Rye, and I went, I need something to listen to to drown out John Snodgrass talking. <laughs> <laughs> because he talks a lot. Um, and I chose Two Cat Garage because then we, I would see you guys and it was like, that first song on the album is about Catcher and Rye. <laughs> right. And I love it. And then like, but before that, I went back and reread The Outsiders because he wrote about The Outsiders. Like how, you're, you're a heavy reader? Yeah, I mean, I... What are you reading now? Uh... Man, I'm starting something weird. Yeah, I don't know. The 
portrait of an artist as a young man. Uh, I've heard it's good. I haven't read it, but I heard it's good. I haven't read it either, so I'm getting started on that, but it's been a hard start. But uh, yeah, I'm always reading, and I'm, I'm trying to be, just trying to be a better writer. Like, I want to be able to write a great song without it being this, you know, my bleeding heart, you know, as the, the subject matter. Um, but but so even songs get... like even songs like that first song on the two cow record it's right it's right. insanely personal right even though you're quoting right. it's an put entirely in different a, book it's I put it in a different whatever but it's still yeah it's still me and the sh- the shit that I'm going through you know but I just put it in a I have a hard time with the catcher in her eye because I don't know whether to love it or just to hate it. Uh, so me me personally, I I only read it. I'm 30. I read it six months ago, and I went. I wish I'd read this when I was 16. That's what. Yeah, that's the whole thing. If I I know for a fact, if I would have read it when I was like 15, 16, uh, I would have loved it. But now I'm just like this rich little kid is just being a dick, <laughs> you know. Pretty much. So, but like, there's the outsiders, right? And, right. If, you, and that's the thing. That, and I. I love to hear all the themes because it seems like there's a theme in all these books you sing about (laughs) and they keep coming up and I'm just like, love it. But once, and then I went back and read the outsiders. I'm like, I get the theme like for the outsiders and I'm probably completely wrong. No, I'm not. I know I'm not because I know you. It's a, it's about brotherhood. Right. Right. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's it's the whole kind of code that we live by is like, yeah, brotherhood, and then getting old. Yeah, it's kind of the whole thing. It's like turning, turning, having to turn from being a boy to a man very quickly. I mean, that's the outsiders. It's oh, like the kids, yeah. sixteen years old, and having to and making these very manly decisions. You know, that are and that was a you at seventeen sleeping in the car. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like. You didn't really choose them, you know. You got put in these situations, and you hope you made the right choices. And uh, maybe that's why we connect with the shit so much, you know, yeah. is because I don't know. We all we want to do the right thing. We don't always do the right thing, but we all want to terribly. You know what? It's a perfect ending point. <laughs> point right there. I got nothing else to say. What? what <laughs> we all do the right thing, man. Thanks, thanks for uh, doing this thing. Thank you, Damien. No, this I can't. is fantastic, and I'm uh, very happy to call you my friend. All right, buddies. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed drinking those 13, 14, 25 beers I drank that night. Listening to it again for like the third or fourth time, I kind of wish I'd cut back a little bit that night. But hey, it was the spirit of the night. It was the spirit of the weekend. It was the spirit of adventure. And fuck it. We got a really good, really in-depth interview with uh, Micah Schnabel there. Um, you know, what a hell of a journey that guy's been on. You know, he may have had some horrible nights and horrible times. Probably slept in, definitely slept in a couple cars. But, you know, we've got some great music because of it. So we should be thankful for his suffering, I suppose. Um as far as Micah goes, this next year he's, you know, he's told me he's going to be out hard and heavy touring in support of this new album. Uh, when he's not busy doing 
that when he's not busy out traveling, he's going to be uh, him and Shane Sweeney. They're going to be back at home in Columbus, Ohio, recording, uh, well, not recording, but tracking, demoing, and writing the uh, new Two Cow Garage record. Um, now, uh, Micah doesn't have a fancy web page, but you can find Two Cow Garage at twocowgarage.com. Uh, they tend to update their Facebook a little bit more. You can find Micah at Micah Schnabel on Facebook or uh, Two Cow Garage, and you usually find those links. Uh, I encourage you to visit suburbanhomerecords.com and picking up uh, Micah's new record. I'd like to thank Virgil for kind of sponsoring this episode here today. Uh, those guys at Suburban Home Records have really, uh, really taken good care of me and what we're doing over here. Uh, so, uh, and while while we're talking about it, um, didn't really talk too much about Shane Sweeney this episode, but uh, he's got a new uh, solo record out himself called The Finding Time. I highly recommend it. It's a little bit different uh, direction than Micah's records that are a little bit more um, raw and I want to say ragged off the top of my head. Um, so don't don't forget to check that out. The Finding Time, it's out right now on Last Chance Records. I believe you can find that at lastchancerecords.com. And, uh... That's that's it for this week's episode. Um, hopefully you guys check back. This is the launch, the official launch of season one. We're going to have another episode every uh, every Monday for the next, uh, at least the next eight weeks. We're, we're, I'm shooting for the next four months. We're going to have an episode every, every Monday. Uh, we've got a bunch in the bag and a bunch lined up. So don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. Visit MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com and like us on Facebook. Uh, every like you... Every time you click that little like button, it helps us out. Shows us a little love. Shows we're not just shooting blanks in the dark. But it's so. Uh, before we go, I'm gonna leave you with one last song. This is uh, my absolute favorite Two Cow Garage song. Uh, probably the best song I think Mike has ever written. Straight from the heart. It's uh, pretty much about Micah and Shane, and it's a song to uh, Shane's future son. And the song is entitled Jackson. You can find it right now off of. Uh, Tukai Garage, last full length, Sweet Saint Me. Again, the song is called Jackson. Oh, you December boys got it bad. Sons of losers and dreamers can be such a drag Birthdays and graduations through a telephone Another son of a son of a rolling stone Now there's gonna come a time when your little world's coming apart Cause there's a million little girls just dying to break your heart Jackson, don't worry, you're a good man, son But damn, you should have seen us back when we were young The toughest set of kids at the Mohawk
questions are many and the answers are few Each and every one coming down on you In a box in a closet at the end of the hall Our best guess is to one and all there's gonna come a time when your little world's coming apart Cause this whole world is just dying to break your heart Jackson, don't worry, you're a good man, son But damn, you should have seen us back when we were young Set of kids that the Mohawk had ever seen. Jackson, don't worry, you're a good man, son. See your daddy and me, we were born to run. Ain't nothing gonna change, but ain't nothing gonna stay the same. Jackson, don't worry, you're a good man, son. Damn, you should have seen us back when we were young. The toughest set of kids that the Mohawk had ever seen. Jackson, don't worry, you're a good man, son. But tramps like us, we were born to run. Ain't nothing gonna change, but ain't nothing gonna stay the same.